Can you believe we are four days away, four days away from the two-year anniversary of the war in Ukraine? Isn't that crazy? Uh, if nothing else, I didn't think it would last this long. You saw that line of tanks and trucks, and you thought, this thing will be over by lunchtime tomorrow. We're two years in, and Putin is still waging that war. By the way, Nikki Haley has slammed Donald Trump for sufficient, not sufficiently criticizing the uh, president of Russia, for what looks like a political assassination. She said on this week, Trump's silence shows that he either thinks it's cool that Putin killed one of his political opponents, or he just doesn't think it's a big deal. It's interesting to me how much the world continues to think it's a big deal. Not shocking, but I'm surprised at the front page ramifications still. And it may have something to do with the fact that this Navalny's widow is now taking the mantle. But I asked Joel Ostro, the political science professor at Benedictine University before the show, to tell us who this Alexei Navalny is. Navalny was, well, at this point, the, the leading opposition figure to Putin in Russia. To be honest, when he first appeared on the scene, he was rather unpalatable to many progressives in Russia and outside. He had a very nationalist streak, perhaps anti-Semitic streak. Ukrainians were not enamored of his grand Russia designs. During the course of Putin's reign, as it got more, more and more violent, more and more brutal, he came around to uh, a quite different understanding of the world and understanding of himself. I, I think he went underwent a, a genuine transformation. I, I don't think that. I know that. He, as we know, uh, became a thorn in Putin's side, largely by exposing corruption at all levels of government, all the way to the very top. Uh, most spectacularly, he discovered really what can only be described as a palace that Putin had built for himself using clearly embezzled funds, tens of millions of dollars, and opulence that I think even uh, Trump would marvel at gold-lined walls and posts and as spectacular as he could imagine. But really, Navalny exposed corruption up and down the system and became a target of Putin's as really the only significant opposition figure left. Obviously, that yeah. wasn't successful, but was he a, a, an elected official? And did he run for president? Never. Did he have any... He did run a couple of times, but Russia doesn't have free and fair elections. And uh, as an uh, uncompromising opponent of Putin's uh, never had a chance. Was he one of those poisoned? Yeah, he was poisoned with Novichok a couple of years ago, apparently placed in, in a cup of tea that he had had at, at a hotel. But he ended up in Germany for treatment. He was flying internal Russia, uh, and there were cell phone videos taken when he uh, fell ill from that tea he had had earlier in the day, clearly planted by the KGB indeed. Anyway, there was video. He got uh, violently ill and in horrible pain. plane made an emergency landing. He was taken to a hospital, uh, was able to get out to Germany for treatment where the Novichok was identified. But then, you know, was an uncompromising opposition figure uh, in a, and made a dramatic return to Russia when he healed and was immediately arrested at the airport. What was he arrested for in this <laughs> penal colony in Siberia this time? Are you asking the trumped-up reason or the real reason? The real reason is because he's an outspoken critic of Putin and of the war uh, on Ukraine. The trumped-up reasons are, are quite ironic. Uh, he's been accused of, well, he's been accused of being an, a foreign agent. Uh, um, 
uh, basically a traitor to Russia. Before that, he was accused of corruption himself. He had been in jail for a few years. He's 47. Years, yeah. um, and yeah. uh, they said he was out for a walk and then just collapsed and died. So he had been, uh, through his various uh, imprisonments, starved, kept in long periods of solitary confinement without uh, electric lights, you know, kept in the dark. Um, horrible conditions. 300 days. Uh, uh, frequently tortured and beaten. He looked quite gaunt to me, but there was some hearing in front of a judge just uh, the day before he died um, where he was joking. He made jokes with the judge, sarcastic jokes about his condition. You could hear in the background the judge laughing, even the, the guard who was with him laughing. So his spirits never wavered. His strength, in that sense, never wavered. He obviously did not die just walking and collapse. So how he was killed remains to be seen, but uh, I, I happen to agree with his extremely courageous and uh, defiant wife that, that he was for sure killed. Uh, there's no way to—and President Biden has echoed that sentiment— the Russian government, Vladimir Putin, their responsibility for his death. When he went to Germany and recovered from the nerve agent, why did he yeah. come back to Russia then? He's got a few kids. He's got a wife. If they tried to kill you once and it didn't work, what yeah. made you think that they weren't going to try and kill you or jail you for life again? Why did he go back? I, I think he knew that the odds were pretty high. He knew he was going to be arrested, and uh, the odds that he would... Uh, he would meet a bad end. He is clearly, was clearly dedicated to political change in Russia, to defying Putin, to trying to rally opposition to Putin on really strictly human rights and humanitarian grounds. Uh, nobody else was doing it. Uh, he had a following and he could not tolerate how the Russian people were being deceived and mistreated and how Russia itself was being undermined by a tyrant at the top. The timing is not entirely accidental. It is clear Putin is comfortable enough in the success of, of the Russian propaganda machine, in part, and, and who knows what other factors have gone into uh, turning the Republican Party here and, and the top of that party really into his ally. What is going on regarding in our Congress, the inability to get funding for Ukraine uh, is evidence that uh, that the United States has become pretty inept uh, and that he has the upper hand and, and can do as he, as he wishes uh, and is likely to meet success. Um, and until he sees evidence to the contrary, we can expect more and more actions from the Kremlin that uh, are going to be harmful to what most of us, I hope, still would see as undermining American interests. You think this was, um, if Putin actually orchestrated this? Was, well, there's no doubt. Okay. Do you think this is to his advantage? I wonder if, in fact, this backfires when you consider the sympathy and attention it's getting. At a time when Ukraine is looking for more help from the West, I wonder if this was a smart play on Putin's part. No matter how much support, increase in support our European allies can marshal. If the United States is not firmly in line with that, uh, Ukraine is lost. I just don't see him as feeling him. This is a sign that that he is not limited. It's not impossible that it isn't sort of poking to see, just verifying for himself, yep, nope, the Republicans are firmly behind me. There's, there's not a peep. <laughs> they're, they're not gonna, they're not gonna, there's not going to be money for Ukraine. 
kind of like a, yeah, see, see, I am in control. I was surprised that Navalny had a social media presence. You'd think they would have clamped on, down on that. The, his Telegram channel is, is quite difficult to clamp down on. You know, we don't know exactly the mechanisms by which, for example, he he's able to get posts out on, on things like mm-hmm. Twitter mm-hmm. Uh, or on YouTube. Um, obviously, it's not direct. He's not posting those things uh, from, you know, the Arctic Circle prison camp. I don't know if you saw his wife's, uh, Yulia Navalnaya's uh, statements uh, uh, on the day of his death. She just made a, um, quite a stoic and, and just incredibly poised statement to a room full of diplomats, foreign policy uh, experts and, and officials at the Munich Security Conference just hours after his death was reported. Uh, about an eight or nine minute call to the Russian people promising to continue her late husband's mission to become politically active herself. Really moving, John, and echoes of spouses of other assassinated political opposition figures through history. I think of Benazir Bhutto. I think of Violeta Chamorro from Chile. I think of Cory Aquino from the Philippines, whose husbands were opposition figures to tyrants themselves who who were murdered by those dictators uh, and who proceeded to lead movements uh, that ultimately toppled uh, those dictators. Um, it's very difficult to see uh, Navalnaya being able to repeat this in Russia, but it was certainly difficult to see those individuals uh, coming to political power in their countries. So one can hope that her voice and her courage continuing his legacy can can somehow awaken uh, the Russian people to to stand up to, to, to this tyrant. That's uh, Joel Ostro, political science professor at Benedictine University. We had a chance to talk to him before the show, and there's a little of uh, his insight and thoughts about this uh, page one story still.